Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. If you find yourself in legal trouble, you're going to want the best result possible in your case. Hiring the Garza Law Firm ensures that you will get the best result possible. That's because Marcos and his team are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyers, criminal defense, and personal injury lawyers. Before you say guilty, say Garza. You can give them a call at 865-540-8300 or look them up online at GarzaLaw.com. You can chat with a representative there. 24-7, 366, that's right, it's a leap year, 366. We appreciate Marcos Garza and his team for their support. Remember, before you say guilty, say Garza. Marcos Garza and his team. Let's get to today's episode. Donda Plowman whips it out. Tennessee loses to South Carolina. Then we hit some Patriot questions. Let's go. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his haircut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch, a special victory edition. Sunday, February 4th, Tennessee kicks Kentucky's ass in Rupp Arena. We couldn't wait a couple days to talk about it. Had to do it now. Seth joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to talk to you. Happy Sunday. Likewise. Likewise. It's a great Sunday whenever you embarrass Kentucky the night before. It is. It is. Whew. It was amazing. I mean, just, uh, it was amazing. I mean, the, been a long time since the vibes have been that high for, for a Tennessee athletic event, I would say. Maybe since beating Duke in, in the round of 32. I would say that's pretty accurate. Maybe, maybe beating Clemson, the way you beat them down to your last strike, down to your last yeah. out in baseball, not the orange too. ball, but yeah, the, the baseball win. Yeah, that was pretty amazing too. But obviously yeah. a little bit different in terms of fan base size and national yeah. attention. Yeah. But if you care about Tennessee baseball, that was a pretty cool night. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, You know... I would say in terms of like my Tennessee basketball fandom, like in terms of my desire for, that's that's true for everyone. Number one would be a final four. Number two is a regular season SEC title. Number three is probably an SEC tournament title, but since we've won one recently, it's not as, you know, it's not as much of a big deal. But four is sweeping Kentucky. 
in the regular season. It's been done so rarely. It's been done twice in my life, 99 and then 2018. I'm not sure if it's ever been done other than that. That 2018 was, was a little tainted because they beat you in the SEC championship as well, right? The, the semifinal. Yeah, it was a championship. It was a championship. Yep. It was a championship. It was on Sunday. Yep. Winyan Gabriel went off from three in St. Louis, naturally. Um, so it happens so rarely. It's only Tennessee's eighth win in rough ever. Like, I don't even care that Kentucky might not be that good. I don't care that they don't play a lick of defense. And I certainly don't care that DJ Wagner was out because Rob Dillingham scored 35 points on 14 of 20 shooting. Um, I don't care about any of that. Kentucky's the NCAA tournament team. They had a number 10 beside their name last night. And Tennessee whipped their ass. Of the 40 minutes played, Tennessee led for 39 minutes and 48 seconds. I, like... That's crazy. You hit a three on your first possession, and you never gave up the lead. They didn't even tie the game. They didn't even tie the game. What was the closest they cut it to? Was it they cut it to like four at one point? Did they they got it to one. They they got it to one right out of the you know the first minutes of the second half. Tennessee, you know, we exchanged a couple misses, and then yeah, they they cut it to one. And then Tennessee came down and went on a little bit of a run to, you know, get it back up to five or six. But yeah, no, they they got it to one. I believe it was forty six to forty five after Reed Shepard made a three. And then we came down, got a good look on a connect, went to, I believe, the left, missed a layup, but Adu was there to clean it up and got a yes. like a dunk off the backboard. Yes. Which remember when we used to run that, like we, we used to run that as a play. Like with with Grant Williams, like Lamonte would like Grant would would pick up the garbage, you know, on the on the he'd get the offensive rebound and slam it. I, I that was nice. I, I mean, and then but to for it to be like, I think everyone part of the issue with Josiah Jordan James is that everyone likes him so much. That's why he's so maddening. He is as likable a guy as you could have period like a not like he is just a he seems like a genuinely good human being and that's part of the issue is that you want to like him so badly and then he just disappears at times so for him to do that after how what he's gone through for him to just go off i mean he had some monster shots like when we needed them um both both mid-range and three-pointers it was yeah, I mean, really, when really when, cool. when Tennessee went from you know the game being somewhat close, it was a three point game with seventeen forty five left. We get a offensive rebound, and you know Zakai got blocked on a three pointer, gets a rebound, is like five feet from the goal, doesn't really want to shoot it. He finds Josiah out on the left wing. Josiah splashes the three. We come back. Vescovy hits a three. We get a stop. Josiah hits a three, and it goes from a you know three point game to ten point game, and then that was pretty much it at that point. It was pretty much over. Tennessee kept their distance for the entire game. There was another moment with like five minutes left where they had kind of gone on a seven zero run to get it from fourteen to seven. We come back out. Dalton connect on the bench, and that's when Josiah hit his kind of up fake up and under 
I think he got fouled and kind of, you know, got a little bit of a, a push shot down there on the block. And then, yeah, that ended like their last gasp to make it a game. So he he was awesome. He was awesome. Zakai was awesome. Those two guys, of course, carried you. I thought everyone played good, but those two with legendary performances. Yeah, every single starter with double digits. Jonas with the double-double. Um, Ganey was good. Yeah, I thought Ganey was really good. I, I just rewatched it as I was eating some food and getting ready for the podcast. I put it on. And my my recording cut off with like the five minute mark, but I kind of remember what happened after that. But yeah, Ganey stood out a lot on the rewatch just from kind of being scrappy and getting a couple of loose balls and rebounds and had a big offensive rebound as Tennessee was building its lead. Had five had five quick points in the first half to, to put it up uh, uh, up double figures again. An emphatic offensive rebound. I mean, like it was pretty. It's pretty impressive. I Awaka was amazing. Awaka was amazing. I just, it was, I mean, it was just cool. It was really cool to see the three guys that have been in the program for so long and have started since they were freshmen or, or played a lot since they were freshmen. I know as a guy didn't start as a freshman, but to see those, see Santi, Josiah, and uh, Zakai play so amazing in Rupp for Josiah and Santi to leave having winning records in rough, which is insane. Insane. And uh, for them to do it, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty awesome. It was just an awesome night. I mean, I don't care that Kentucky might not be that good. I really don't. I really don't. It's hard. It is impossible to win there. And Tennessee never trailed, and Tennessee won handily. Emphatically, I mean, I won't say easily, but Tennessee never trailed. By my count, Tennessee went from the 14-minute mark to the 8.30 mark of the second half. So, you know, it's five and a half minutes. Scoring on eight of their nine possessions, and that was right there in the Awaka minutes where he just became a maniac on the offensive glass. Of course, got two big ones on, you know, I think two out of three possessions that really got Kentucky flustered, you know, had a guy push him in the back and then give him a kiss on the mouth. But, like, after that, he came out and got a big seal that got it as a Kai layup. You know, Connect got a dunk on the, the out-of-bounds plays just coming out of that scu- uh, scuffle. And then Awaka had two big baskets, one a pretty, ni- pretty nice dunk and the yeah, other okay. a really nice post play where he got down and got an easy layup. Both were awesome. The dunk on the pick-and-roll, did that shock you? Yes. Yes, it did. I did not know that he was going to go up and flush it like that. I expected a power dribble gather. Who? Like, that was about the last thing I expected him to do. I'll be honest. They got him fired up, man. They got him fired up. That was all adrenaline. His eyes got so big. He'd been waiting for that moment. He'd been waiting to get to mix it up, and he was ready to go. And Rob Dillingham... Was about to get his ass beat by Tobey Awaka. Crazy that you would mess with Tobey Awaka. Crazy. Especially when his eyes get big like that. I mean, he like ascended to another dimension of reality. The most mild-mannered... Lucky for Dillingham, Bradshaw got him off yeah. the hook by pushing him in the back. Yeah. Um, Which, he looks bad in the scenario. He looks bad in the situation. But at least he did save his teammate's life. 
Uh, yeah, an absolutely tra an absolute travesty by the officials. This is, I mean, just a travesty of a, to give four technicals. I mean, it's not even like just Jordan Ganey was was very definitely egging the whole thing on, which was hysterical to watch. But did he really deserve a technical? Like they said, language. They said language. They said they made an emphasis. Yeah, I mean, we don't know every camera angle, like you know what was said. Maybe Awaka said something after Bradshaw kissed him in the mouth. I don't know, but. I was worried watching it live that that was going to like bring the crowd really into it and give Kentucky some like passion and maybe like motivate them to at least try on defense and that Tennessee might get rattled because they're going to be a little flustered or be trying to press a little too hard to make a statement. And instead, the very next play, we get a wide open dunk for Connect, and you're like, okay, never mind. Yeah. I mean, they are 102 on defense on Ken Palm. So we dropped them 27 spots yesterday because they were 75th going into the game. Also, I see that Auburn has moved back ahead of Tennessee on Ken Palm. Whatever. Our offense went from, what, 29th to 15th? Okay. So our offense had a big boost, and we kicked Kentucky's defense's ass and knocked them down a whole bunch of spots. Yeah. And then a huge game between Purdue and Wisconsin today. I'm interested to see like the three-way little thing going on with North Carolina, Tennessee, and Wisconsin. Because the more Tennessee wins, you want to put them on the one line, but that just makes North Carolina look better. The more Wisconsin wins, you want to keep pumping them up, but it makes Tennessee's win look that much better. And of those three, Tennessee the only one with a road win. Yes. So at least you got that. Tennessee's two best wins – you know, you you need Kentucky, I don't want to say not to fall apart, because we will probably take them just being an absolute train wreck, but that's your second best resume win. Yeah. So if you are like on that wanna be the number one two seed or the last four seed, or excuse me, the, the the fourth one seed, you need to maybe have Kentucky not be absolute dog shit down the stretch. You need them to actually maybe get it together a little bit. Or you could just be like, hey, fuck them, and we're rooting for them to lose and lose all their games. However you want to handle it, it's fine with me, but Tennessee's two best wins at Wisconsin, at Kentucky. Yeah. I, I can't imagine too many schools have two better road wins. Yeah. That, there's, I mean, I, I can't either. I, I can't either. Just Especially when you consider how they beat Kentucky as well. Both, both big road wins, both by double digits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I am interested to see how that continues to play out. I guess... Like North Carolina is just going to run away with the SEC, with the ACC, aren't they? Yeah, the ACC is trash. I mean, maybe yeah, Duke can get them at home, but like, yeah, it's not going to matter. They're going to run away with that conference. By the way, add in a twenty-point win over number six, or I guess number seven, Alabama now, and that's three pretty impressive wins for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lenardi has Alabama as a three seed right now, and you crushed them. Beat them by 20. Now, you have to go to Alabama. You got to go to Alabama. So, you know, maybe they get their lick back. Maybe that ends up being a split, and, you know, who knows. But right now, you've played them once, and you embarrass them. Imagine how many points are going to be scored in that game at Alabama. I mean, it's going to be a – I do love that Tennessee – Tennessee just needs to run all the time. I think that much is clear. Like, just keep – I love that. It was awesome to watch. Last night was awesome. Last night was just awesome to be a Tennessee fan. That's really all you can say about the game. It's awesome, awesome, awesome to beat Kentucky in basketball. The only thing I hate more than Kentucky basketball is Florida football. 
And beating Kentucky in Rupp is just amazing. The best thing that Rick Barnes has done. Yes. Tennessee had won, I believe, four times in their entire history of the program at Rupp Arena, and he's done it four times himself. Yeah. That stat that under Rick Barnes, Tennessee seven and one against Kentucky when they're ranked in the top ten. That is outrageous. That everyone needs to take a step back because we've gotten used to beating Kentucky. We just assume under Rick Barnes that we are going to get Kentucky at least once and sometimes twice. But that's crazy. He's seven and one against them when they're a top ten team. That's insane. Rupp Arena has been open since nineteen seventy six. Had they ever given up a hundred points to an SEC team at home? They said Arkansas ninety three, I believe, was the okay. number. I thought that was was that at Arkansas or was it at Rupp? Do we know? Oh, I guess that's a fair question. That's a fair question. I. Assumed it was at Rupp, but maybe it was just Kentucky giving up 100 points. Good point by you. There's so many stats that came out last night. I tried to get you know keep an eye on all of them. Uh, Tennessee, so seven and one against top ten teams under Barnes. I guess top ten Kentucky teams under Barnes. Uh, you, you got the number yet? It was it was at Bud Walton. Okay, okay. So maybe uh, maybe the first SEC opponent ever. Pretty crazy. I mean. A masterful, we haven't really even talked about Sakai, who was, is that the greatest performance by an SEC, by Tennessee point guard ever? Well, when you consider the stakes, you you probably say it's the best regular season performance for sure. Yeah. You know, I don't know enough about the tournament. I haven't gone back and looked, whatever. I mean, I was just looking at Chandler's game log. He had that 27-point explosion against Colorado. Yeah, but, I mean those those stakes. Yeah, those, I think that was at, was that. Yeah, that was at Colorado. You're right. It's Colorado in like December. I didn't look at like Jordan Bones or anything. I, I didn't look, you know, enough research. But I mean, it would be harder to play better than Zakai did. Zakai was absolutely awesome. Even just looking like at the at the 14 minute mark of the second half, he only had seven assists. So just knowing he had six the rest of the game, and considering that Tennessee shot free throws basically the last two minutes of the game, like he he squeezed in six assists basically in twelve minutes down the stretch to to close them out. I was listening to the Field of Sixty Eights uh, podcast after the day of games yesterday to see what they were saying about Tennessee, and Rob Douster, who, well, whatever he was saying that. You know, he was talking about how insane Robert Dillingham was, and he Robert Dillingham was incredible. But he said he wasn't even close to being the best guard on the floor because of Zakai. Which I don't know. Whatever you can disagree with that, I don't know. But he his his argument was that Dillingham gave up as many points on defense as he scored um, because he just doesn't play defense. But he's you know that's how highly he thought of Zakai Ziegler last night. Well, I mean that's an NBA stat line and like. 13 assists is crazy in itself, but you know to, to add in 26 points, and I think the number was he assisted or scored 60 of Tennessee's points, and that's not even counting you know, free throws that lead from passes, and he had some big defensive plays too. There was a big stretch that you know he, he gets a layup, Tennessee's pulling away, and then he, he, he creates a shot clock violation, which they said this is the only thir- that's only the third shot clock violation for Kentucky the entire season, and it was because he kind of blocked the shot out there at three. 
He was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been a little rough on him, and he had came off maybe his worst game at Tennessee against against South Carolina on Tuesday. So to see him bounce back and, you know, Josiah, Seth, he had only shot the ball 11 times the four games prior. In 106 minutes, he had only shot the ball 11 times. And then he came out against Kentucky at Rupp Arena and was like the aggressive player that we've been begging for him to be. He was looking for shots. He was like going one on three on fast breaks and trying to get to the rim. He wasn't pulling it out. Now, he didn't score on either of those two. Like on one, Reed Shepard stripped him. On the other, he kind of left a finger roll short and to the right when he went one on three. But like he was being aggressive. He was looking for a shot. He shot the ball 18 times last night. He is so good mid-range. I mean, his mid-range, he's so good. He's always been good at it. It's just... I also, a shout-out to the funniest part of the game, undoubtedly to me, is Cameron Carr. Whenever you come out of that TV timeout, you're like, wait a second, what? what? I was like, like Vescovy loses that? the ball. I was like, who is that dude? Vescovy loses the ball. You're up four. You know, like, they're making a run. You're like, oh, my God, are we about to not be winning at halftime? And then, you know, he comes up with a pass from Vescovy and throws a beautiful alley-oop to Josiah. And then flies down and gets a rebound. He's like deflecting. He's affecting shots at the rim. And then he hits a, a, a corner three off the top of the backboard. And, and, <laughs> and is it, laughing. He's laughing a couple <laughs> minutes. Like he just, it was zero fear. The pass. <laughs> he, that was, he, went, he went from on the bench the last like 10 games to like just all of a sudden he had the ball every time. Like the uh, either a pass or a, a rebound. And then, yeah, corner three. Like all of a sudden he was just involved in every single play. That's not like. I just thought it was an awesome play to make that alley-oop pass when you haven't played in like two months. You just like, no big deal, just throw a perfect alley-oop pass. It was a great play by Santi to get that ball. It would have been very understanding had he done Joe Milton and thrown it three, you know, five rows into the, uh, into the uh, bleachers. And it was nice just to see Josiah slam the dunk down and like yell, play, you know, just like be just a level of aggression from Josiah that we... Maybe I've never seen. I mean, Cam Carr got one minute against Florida, which was what, like four games ago? He got three minutes against Norfolk State on January 2nd, 10 minutes against Georgia Southern, and like that's it. That's it, like since December 12th. He's played in uh, three games. I think that VolQuest said in their little postgame pod last night that. This was the first game since Norfolk State that Josiah hit multiple threes in. That seems crazy. It, he went four of nine. What was the Norfolk State game before or after North Carolina State? Because he had like no 20 idea. against North Carolina State. I have no clue. I think he had 23 against them. and was kind of like the only reason he won the game. But I don't know if he had threes or what. But I'm looking at his game log right now. He hit two threes against Tarleton State. Okay, maybe, okay. On December 21st. Because, yeah, he hit five against North Carolina State the game before that. But, yeah, after North Carolina State went five of seven, Charleston State went two of eight. That was December 21st. And then, yeah, one, zero, 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 one, zero, 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 four. And he was chugging it from the beginning. I mean, it was just. It's also the first time he's been in double figures since Charleston State. That's crazy. He hasn't even given you 10 points. That's crazy. 
I mean, <laughs> you had Santi blowing a kiss. I mean, you had it all. And like, you know, like it was the, I said on the radio, the morning show every day from 7 to 10 a.m. fan run radio. But I said like it was the perfect type of get back game because so often when you have an ugly loss like you did against South Carolina in the SEC, you got to look around and you're like, oh man, we got LSU and AM. Not not games that you have a chance to really feel good about yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you look back to when you lost uh, uh, to, to uh, Mississippi State, you had to wait a couple games before you got to test at Alabama. It felt like at least, or a test against Alabama. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But, like, you've got Kentucky, who matters if you beat them, but also, like, is going to give up the goods defensively. Like, you're going to be able to score and get your offense feeling good again because it felt awful, you know, coming out of that game against South Carolina. You're like, oh, my God, it's the same old Rick Barnes offense. What the hell's happened? You went from a top 20 offense to, like, 29th. You, you dropped, like, 12 spots. And then you come out and you score 103 points in regulation. You get a top 10 win. And we know Kentucky's not a top 10 team. Who knows if they'll even be be ranked after uh, when the polls come out tomorrow. But it's a big win for your program. And then now you have everybody on the team should have some confidence. Yeah, Everybody on the team should be feeling good. I thought everyone played an acceptable game. Connect. Connect wasn't great. I'm glad he got those four free throws at the end to at least get to 16 points. But, like, he didn't play great, but he, you know, he, he drug a lot of defensive attention with him every time he'd come around the screen. Mm-hmm. And that matters, too, for the offense. And, like, you know, Jonas had a double-double. We don't need to talk about Zakai and, and James anymore. They combined for 52 points. I thought Vescovy was great. Like you said, showed some confidence, blowing a kiss. And then I thought everybody on the bench, like, you know, just from, like, Carr, him getting in the game, he should be feeling good. Ganey made some plays. Didn't make it very many shots, but made some plays. Mayshack had a couple of buckets late. Awaka, that's the best he should probably fill all year. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I thought Santi did play great. I mean, shooting three or four from three, if if, if Santi shoots three or four from three, you know, not many teams are going to be beating Tennessee, I think it's fair to say, like, well, last night was the best version of Tennessee, obviously. Like, everybody played well. You didn't have to have Connect do all the scoring, but it opens up everything for everybody else. Like, when Tennessee's at its best, like, yeah, all five starters have the capability of being in double figures. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, all five guys should score double figures. Yeah. I mean, Jonas should have had a lot more points than he had. He had eight. He had, like, eight and eight at halftime. He finished with 11 and 11. He should have had a lot more. He, had, he was well, set up for the easiest double-double ever. He didn't get a lot of minutes in the second half because yeah. Awaka, Awaka, yeah. you know, had that big stretch. Yeah. That dunk by Awaka was just amazing. Yeah, I really now, felt like we shot better from three than we actually did. I think we just hit timely threes. Yeah, because they actually shot better than, from three than we did. And also, like, if you just say, if you remove, you know, connect, and you say you're 11 of, 11 of 25, that feels a lot better. Because Connect went one of five, mm-hmm. and Ganey went one of four, so like there, there's two for nine right there, right? So if you if you remove that, and it's just everybody else going ten of twenty one, that feels more accurate, right? Because it felt it felt like Vescovy had hit every big shot, James hit big shots, Sakai was three for three at one point, missed his final three. So like in the first half, you probably were shooting close to you know fifty percent from three. Yeah, we. I would like to see us shoot a little bit better from the free throw line. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, the free Ma- throws. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Maysack going over three, like you were about to say, you know, brings it down have a little the ball bit. Light. He can't have the ball late. I mean, it's just, he can't have the ball late. He needs to give that ball up. I don't know what he was doing. He needs to give that ball up. He missed the front end of a one-on-one with about 10 minutes left as well. Ganey got a big offensive rebound, and we got a good shot out of it. But, yeah, he, he was bad free throw-wise. But now you're set up for a nice little run the next couple games. Huge game Saturday night again. You get, you get a midweek game that you can kind of right the wrong of last week against South Carolina. You beat LSU, take care of business, and then, yeah, you go to A&M, and you got a chance for a quality road win. Um, you worried Lamar, about A&M? I, I mean, so, first of all, just, I mean, just a gag job by Florida to lose that game. Like, so no, I'm not worried about them. But it's but that being said, it's on the road, and these are hard games to win on the road. It's not like just because I'm worried about not worried about them doesn't mean I expect to like dominate autom- automatically win or you know I mean Florida should Tennessee will be like six game. point favorites against A and M. I'd say, um, you know, like I, I was I'm surprised that as of last night after. The games after the Tennessee Kentucky game was over, Lenardi put out a new bracket, and I'm surprised that A and M was in it. I was surprised that A and M was in it. They're hanging on right now. They're number 49 in the net ranking. Like I, I, I don't know. Four and four against quad one teams. They do have four quality quality of uh, victories. Okay, so I guess the Iowa State win is doing a lot for them. Mm -hmm. And they, you know. That, that Iowa State non-conference win is doing a lot for him. I don't think they're particularly very good. I think Wade Taylor is maddening to watch because all he does is draw fouls and get to the free throw line. I think they're just a, they're a hard team to watch. I mean, like, but, you know. It's on the road at night with a team that really needs the game to win. They have some seniors. They've been around a long time. Wade Taylor is only a junior inexplicably. I thought he was a fifth year. I thought he was like a fifth year senior. Um, so it should be fun. It should be a good game. I mean, I'm excited for that game. We have Alabama going to Auburn. Yeah, you need to you need to flip your stance. A couple weeks ago, we were rooting for Auburn to beat Alabama at Auburn. Now you need the opposite. You need Alabama to lose at Auburn. So we've got that Wednesday night. We've got Alabama at Auburn Wednesday night, as well as this Saturday, we have Auburn at Florida. We need Auburn to win at home Wednesday and lose on the road to Florida Saturday. Missouri might go 0 and 18. Yeah, they missed a good chance against Vanderbilt. They legit might go 0 and 18. As crazy as it is to say their best win remain their best chance of a win re- remaining is probably at Arkansas. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how annoying Missouri was last year. Yeah. And now they're back just to being dog shit. And Arkansas has truly truly quit in the truest sense of the word, they have absolutely laid down and died. When it comes to insurance, 
you want someone you can trust. Look, you trust me with your time. You listen to me to laugh, to think, or so that I can make you mad with something I've said. Look, trust the person that I trust when it comes to insurance. John Runyon with Farm Bureau. John is a longtime friend of mine, since junior high actually, and has been my insurance agent the last four or five years. He will be honest, fair, and maybe most importantly, communicate with you in a timely manner. When I had a rock go through my windshield and needed to make a claim, the process was quick and easy, and I had a check mailed to me almost instantly. To see what he can do for you when it comes to home, auto, or life insurance, contact him via phone at 865-982-2559, or you can shoot him an email to get the ball rolling at john, J-O-H-N dot runyon, R-U-N-Y-A-N at F-B-I-T-N dot com. That's 865-982-2559, or john dot runyon at fbitn.com. John Runyon with Farm Bureau. All right, let's get to some patron questions. I'll hold off on any more Arkansas commentary. Still, I think that'd just be the worst season possible. Imaginable as a fan, right? Just to deal with the off-the-court rumors and watch your team just quit. Yeah, Something it, you it, care it, so much about. People talk about teams quitting and people talk about teams laying down. And like You'll see team lay down in the middle of a game and quit. It's, it's not that often that you see a team as a collective, truly and unequivocally just quit entirely on a season like they have. And You say a team, I'll say just a program, too, because, I mean, like, I, I add Musselman in there, too. He looks like yeah. he's quit, too. Yeah, he's done. He's, he's leaving. He's out of there. So the whole entire program is pretty much just checked out right now. It's crazy, man. Like A proud program, too, one that's been successful. Yeah, a very, yeah. A very, a very proud program. Very annoying he is, program. He is taking gasoline and just dousing it all over the four years prior because, like, the way it's ending, if he leaves this offseason, they will hate Musselman. Or at least I would. Like, yeah, the four years and the lead days, they were cool, but, like, if you completely quit on the way out and embarrass us and then leave, they'll be in shambles. That would almost make you hate him and not respect what he did the four years prior. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Couple new patrons. New $5 patron, Will Tobout. Shout out to Brother Will. We love you and appreciate you. Hope I said that last name correctly. A new $2 patron, Daniel Amez. Shout out to Brother Daniel. We love you and appreciate you. All right, let's hit some questions. Brother CB, a.k.a. Colts Beat Reporter, asks, well, he says, congrats, each of you are selected for the Dickie V Sweet 16 birthday bash. Explain how you foresee a day of watching hoops from Dickie V's couch. Have you read this? This is crazy. I had no idea this was a thing. By the way, is I saw it last night in the anymore? rewatch. No, he's. The, I, think he's, I think he's battling some health stuff again. Okay. I think some of his health stuff came back, I, I think. But he's also like, you know, late 70s, early yeah. 80s, so maybe they're just kind of like, hey, just stay home. He will host you and one guest at his home in Bradenton, Florida, on Thursday, March 28th, 2024, to watch a Sweet 16 game together. By the way, the NCAA so, has trademarked the term Sweet 16. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, the fact that whenever you first told me it was a birthday bash, I was thinking, okay, there'd be a lot of people there. But then you tell me it's just me and one guest. So is it just us three hanging out with Dick Vitale on his birthday? It's It reads that way. That sounds like hell. Sounds off. Imagine me and you sitting there with Dick Vitale having to like placate him and worry about him. Yeah. And listen to him ramble on and we have to act interested. 
That would be so awkward. A, it, it, it includes a complimentary dinner cruise. What? Yeah, no, that sounds kind of cool. You know, to hit a, hit a little dinner cruise with Dick, eat, eat good, and, you know, they pay for the airfare and the travel. If you were offered this, would you accept it? No, I am not. Th- Imagine doing this for a Tennessee game. No, no, no. That would He's be- a legend, though. He's a legend. I mean, you have a prior working relationship with the man. I did have to go take a shit after he took a shit in the SEC tournament, and he left it very, very smelly and, and dirty. Yes. And he was sweating, and he looked like he struggled. And I remember that exchange. He's not going to remember it, but then I'm going to have to sit there for hours wondering, do I bring it up to him? And he's like, yeah, you might not remember this, Dick, but I came in the bathroom right after you before the SEC championship against Auburn. That's my memory of you, Dick. Now, maybe hanging out with him would be good to get a new memory of, of Dick Vitale. But just think back to when you were 13, Seth. And you loved Dick Vitale. Because every 13-year-old kid loved Dick Vitale. Mm-hmm. Diaper dandies. And imagine telling yourself, like, hey, you have the option to go hang out in his basement with him. In a non-sexual way. It's not creepy. You're not tied up or anything. You're just hanging out in the basement with Dick. And imagine telling yourself at 13 that you're, you're going to turn it down. Because you're worried it might be a little awkward. He's a legend. Come on. Still no? It would be so good for the content, but it would truly be hell on earth if Tennessee was playing in this game. Yeah. Yeah. The content would be amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't want to watch a Tennessee game with him. What about, like, if it was, like, just a Duke-North Carolina game, would that be worse? Just a regular, like, last night watching that game with him? Yeah, and him trying to sell you on it being so important, but you not really caring? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty bad. Telling him it's no longer 2006. Yeah. Apparently, he is selling those raffle tickets $100. $100 a piece. You can buy those, and... Then you win the birthday bashes. Is it a part of like the ESPN like charity thing? They'll always do a push to try to raise money. I don't know if it's for the G- the Jimmy V Foundation or whatever, but there's all all those things you can try to donate money for to get Surely like special. It is. I hope so. I hope so. Well, if that's the case, would they raise more doing a hundred dollar raffle or just auctioning it off? Because usually they just auction it off. I think, and some people yeah, bid up sure. to like twenty, thirty thousand dollars for things like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well. I'll I'll take a hundred dollars and I'll buy us a raffle ticket. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Next question, please. Brother Boomer asked, "Does Ken Palm defensive efficiency metric matter?" Well, you could look at it one of two ways. From yesterday, you could look at it and say that heading into yesterday, that uh, Houston was number one defensively. They still are number one defensively. And they allowed Kansas to shoot 70% and kind of whip their ass and embarrass them. Thanks a lot to Stats by Will for making me take Houston in that game. I am tired of Houston basketball. They are now as annoying to me as Gonzaga ever was. Really? Okay, because I compared them to Gonzaga earlier this week on the radio. But I was giving them maybe a little bit more benefit since they moved to the Big 12 and were now at least playing Power 5 competition or Power 6, whatever. I'm very tired of Houston. Why? 
part of it is because I've had to watch Tennessee play basketball the last couple of years. So seeing another team that like makes their mark on defense and like just shoots bricks on offense, I find extremely distasteful. Play some offense, Houston. How about on that? the flip side, Boomer, Kentucky came in ranked very poorly on defense and they gave up the goods. It was very sweet walking into Rupp Arena and just having open shot after open shot and watching them have no no interest at all in playing any on-ball defense. Kyle Tucker, who covers them for the athletic, he wrote it looked like there were five matadors out there on the perimeter and seven bulls charging the rim. So that's how they're describing what's going on in Lexington right now. Ole! But Kentucky's not going to be a serious team. They don't play defense. Yeah, they're not serious at all. They're not a serious team. They don't play defense. And I understand Calpari is trying to distract everybody and say they're not healthy, say they haven't had one game with all their scholarship players on the roster active at, at one time. That's fine. But it's not like these guys are all of a sudden going to take defense seriously. It's not something you really flip the switch on, I don't think. Yeah, agree. What did you make of Coach Cal skipping the uh, post-game coaches show? pretty shameful it's pretty pitiful like it really is pitiful i mean you make 10 million dollars a year dude the kentucky boys were mad about it they were i mean because justin edwards went out there and took questions and he's had an awful year he didn't have a sick dog though that's what they're saying right coach guy to get home to a sick dog so was that legit or a troll oh i don't know i, I saw multiple people say it I, I saw one of the reporters make a joke about it and i saw a fan say he had to get home to his dog i don't know if it was a troll, excuse me, I fell for it, but I didn't like really look into it enough. I don't know. Brother CB, a.k.a. Colt Sweet Reporter, says it is for the Dickie B Foundation. Okay. Yeah, Justin Edwards, he had a decent little stretch there in the first half where he scored seven straight points and got going a little bit. And you're like, okay, is this about to be annoying? And then he finished with seven points. So he continued to be underwhel uh, underwhelming. Glad we didn't get that guy. Brother Stats by Will asks, if you were a Kentucky fan, would you want Calipari gone? Also, who would you back the Brink trucks up for? Well, like of course at this point you wouldn't have any confidence that things are getting better. And it's annoying. Because it's one of those situations where Cal's like, appreciate what I've done for you. We've had a really good run here, but then you're like, yeah, but the last four or five years has been shitty. And you think that you should be able to go out and get whomever. But at the same time, like, who could you hire that is going to guarantee that you're going to be better? What's the list of coaches that you would look at and say, this this will placate the need for a star coach. It's, it's a guy that can handle the pressure. And it's a guy that I'm confident is going to do better. What's the list? Nate Oates. Nate Oates, I guess. Danny Hurley. Yeah. Is Bruce still on the list? No. Like, I don't know who, how many coaches are out there that can handle all those things. Yeah, I wonder how much, you know, we'll never know, obviously, because of COVID, but what is changes is the, the like, 
in my opinion, the last three NCAA tournament losses he has are all absolutely inexcusable. From the Elite Eight game against Auburn, he had just beaten that Auburn team 80-53 to one month prior. That Kentucky team with Tyler Harrow in them, was they were really, really good. P.J. Washington was awesome. Emmanuel Quickly. Um, and then you have St. Peter's. And then you have, I mean, I know that, like, Kansas State was 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 the better seeded team last year. And, like I don't care. Like you return the national player of the year. You don't lose to Kansas State. Not in the tournament. Not with all that on the line. Yeah. So it's hard to I mean, it's it's hard to blame Kentucky fans. I'm sorry, it's, it's hard to blame Kentucky fans for being fed up. Like it, yeah, and like they're playing frustrating style too. They're still doing the one and done stuff, but they're not doing like the high end one and dones anymore. Like I've been talking about that for years. Like the difference for me with Kentucky and Calipari is they went from having the number one, number two picks in the draft, and having like superstars at the top, to like you know then having like Jamal Murray and and those guys that are more like four through ten. Yeah. To, to like now their top picks are usually like in the the teens. Like they're not having the number one pick anymore. So like they're still trying that method, and all it's leading to is a bunch of freshmen that can't play together, that don't want to play defense, that get there when if they have any type of injury, just want to sit out the rest of the year instead of like uh, you know hurting their stock. And like that method isn't as effective because he's not getting the number one, number two guys anymore. So like yeah, I'd be very frustrated, but at the same time. Like, I don't know what coach would come there and recruit better. Now, you could say you could go to Kentucky and try just to do a, a four-year type of program like Jay Wright. And you'll have your five stars that stay two years, but, you know, try to put veterans in there and play a certain way and transfer portal and blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe that would be more for long-term success, maybe. But I just don't know. Like, they're, they're kind of in the Alabama situation of pressure of being a historic program, pressure of that coach having success, but also, like, are they having success because of the history of the program, or are they having success because of that coach? Because you saw a lot of talk about Alabama, right? That was like, hey, they're not going to get the Alabama discount anymore because that wasn't the Alabama discount. That was the Nick Saban discount. Yeah. People wanted to come get coached by, by Nick Saban, not come to Alabama. They wanted to get coached by Nick Saban, who just happened to be at Alabama. I think Calipari still has a good standing with players because he does have so much NBA talent. Are those players that come to Kentucky, are they coming because they want to play at Kentucky or because they want to play with Coach Cal? And that's what I'd be worried about if I was a Kentucky fan. But at the same time, we're about to be, what, in year six without a Final Four? Or no, it's more than that, right? It's like, was 2015 the last Final Four? It's been a long time. I mean, it, it it's crazy how long it's been. It's I mean, the guy did nothing but go to Final Fours. It has been... Um, the last Final Four... 2015. He went 11, yep. 12, 14, and 15. So four out of five years. And they haven't made it since 2015. Yep. That's a long time, man. And I don't think they're going to make it this year either. With multiple teams that should have that could have won a national title. I mean, 16 and 17 was amazing. 
Um, 18 and 19 was really good, you know. But it's really like the last four years is where it's really taken a toll. Like, when he didn't make the tournament in 2021 till now, it's really gone poorly. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the last four years matter more than the run from 11 to 15 at this point. I mean, his best player in that time has been Oscar Schwebway, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he won National Player of the Year, but you could argue about whether, you know, how good of a college player he actually was. Yeah, and it's like it wasn't a, it was a four-year player, so he's just the talent level he's getting is just so drastically cratered. Like, he had SGA. That's right. Shai Gilgis-Alexander, you know, has turned into a really good player in the NBA, but, like, at Kentucky, by the time he left, I believe he was, like, pick number 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And you look at how good he is, like, that, that, that was an underachievement his time at Kentucky. Yeah. Any other questions? Brother Nathan asks, after Dalton connected and Zakai Ziegler, who do you think is Tennessee's most impactful slash important player the rest of the way? Well, you know, it, it has to be either Jonas or Josiah, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't even necessarily say that one and two are locked down. I think Connect draws a lot of attention. I think Connect's very important to the game plan, of course. But like, uh, you, I don't. I'm not necessarily convinced that Kai has to be number two. Because for a good stretch, Jonas was number two, mm-hmm. and him kind of anchoring the defense and gobbling up rebounds, protecting the rim, and scoring 14 points a game was pretty good. Yeah. But like, I think Josiah. You know, I've always compared him to Draymond Green for what he means for this team. It's nice when he scores 25, 26 points, obviously. But, like, if he can just get back, get back to giving you eight points and, like, really leading the team and just his impact offensive and defensively, just being a coach on the court and just knowing where to go and knowing how to play, like, to me, that's invaluable. The problem with that is he has to have somebody leading the scoring on most nights. So, like, somebody does have to step up, whether that be Connect or Vescovy or Zakai or just everybody. But to answer Nathan's question, like uh, number three for me would be Josiah because I think he has to be at least a top three player for Tennessee to get where they're going. He has to be like a top three most important player because what he brings to the table just intangibly is so important, I think, on basketball courts. Do you have a different answer? No, no, I think that's a good answer. But I also want to give a shout-out to Vescovy because like, I I think he's underrated for what he does defensively. Yeah, he's very good on defense. I just think he's so pesky and just knows where to go and comes up with timely loose balls. It's crazy the different vibe coming out of last night than it was on Tuesday when you hated everybody on the team. Yeah. Then after last night, like those guys were all just in lockstep playing roles and looked like a synchronized unit. Yeah. It was very, it was very awesome. It was just awesome. I mean, very awesome. Brother Booyah asks, better feeling being a home rivalry win or away rivalry win? I think winning on the road is better. Is he talking about being in attendance? I don't know. If he's talking about being in attendance as a fan, like I think being at home is better than being on the road. Being on the road's cool, but like you, you have to always be worried about celebrating a little too much. 
being able to hug each other and, and you know really just go all out celebrating at home is really cool. But like from a TV perspective, yeah, like b- doing it on the road is a better feeling for your program. Road wins trump home wins, but I, I think he means like being in attendance. I think because he was there last night. He I was believe. there last night. Yeah, yeah, he was. So I'll I'll say coming on the road and winning is obviously awesome, but. At least me, I'm always a little bit aware of celebrating too much. You don't want to be a jerk to people. At home, you could just go all out. Yeah. That's all. I Anything got. else? All right. Big win. I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your week, my friend. Hopefully, we take care of business against LSU. I believe that's a quad three game, right? Because they're like in the 90s. Oof. Okay, I didn't know that. And it's at home. I assume because like at home, a quad one is a top 30 win. So I assume it's top 30, top 60, top 90. But I might be wrong on that. But yeah. But then you get a quad one chance at Texas A&M on Saturday. So that's a big game. Yep. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Have a great week. Or have a great week, my brother. You too. Bye-bye. See you, about. So you smell that? What's that? I smell pussy, is that you earn? I smell pussy, is that you jive? I smell pussy, is that you blame? I smell pussy, is that you tie? Y'all niggas is pussy. I'm ballin' now, nigga, now watch me. Watch me. Ain't nothing you can do to stop me. Y'all niggas get so emotional. You remind me of my bitch. <laughs> it's not of my nature to make a commitment, so let me breathe. When she doesn't understand, catch attitudes when I leave her. My elevation just make it harder for me. To accept that as my own She tries to tie up my phone And I'm not at home She's thinking I'm not alone Probably I try to bone Anything in the street I let her know she can leave I ain't trying to tie her up But see It's hard to fuck with somebody After she touches me Mommy, I'm not your regular nigga I know the game But I don't play by the rules I'm focusing on my moves That way I will never lose Say I can tell by your shoes If you attracted to Benz's with 22s yeah. Say I confuse you, play little tricks with your head Catch your feelings ever since the first time I slept in your bed um, I hear the tease you, mislead you, and sell you dreams uh, I can't say I love you, I don't know what that means I'm a pimp Girl, you know I like it when you climb on top Love muscle feel tighter than a headlock Girl, you know I love the way you make the bed rock Take me to ecstasy without taking ecstasy Girl, you know I like it when you climb on top Love muscle feel tighter than a headlock uh-huh. And you know I love the way you make the bed rock Take me to ecstasy without taking ecstasy When I first met her, I did anything to get her what? Paid all the bills and filled the refrigerator uh-huh. Reminiscing on late nights when I tried to lay up But couldn't get off cause your baby will stay up She even crashed the whip trying to switch in the third lane That's when I realized this bitch was a bird brain A pigeon writing a baby pops in the box in the prison Sing Sing is way been she in the Gucci tights and Fendi high heels Baby wipes and cans of Infamil Motorbikes and grams of fish scale So nine to five niggas was no frills Turning young niggas with principles to old men with debts And all the prank calls was death threats That bitch got the best sex all across the globe And the bitch head game was out of control Girl you know I like it when you climb on top Love muscle feel tighter than a headlock Girl, you know I love the way you make the bed rock Take me to ecstasy without taking ecstasy Girl, you know I like it when you climb on top Love muscle feel tighter than a headlock And you know I love the way you make the bed rock Take me to ecstasy without taking ecstasy I wonder when I'm gone if you miss me Or do you miss that Dom Perignon and that Christie? 
I'm fucking with you. I'm feeling your shape, I'm feeling your eyes. Later on, I'm feeling your ass and feeling your thighs. I'm a sweetheart, you book smart, street smart. I knew you was my type from the very, very start. I'm in the tongue kissing, foreplay all day. Mama ain't home, so the noise is okay. Oh,